gets. Once you start scouting, it's like a disease. It gets in your body. You're infected with it. You're tuned in to the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your hosts, Russell Landy and Rick Saratello. Oh yeah, back at it again here, another edition of the Infectious Scouting Podcast with your host Rick Saratella here. RIC in a place to be, Rick Saratella telling it like it is when it comes to the NFL draft since 2002. Of course, my main man, WrestleMania, Russell Landy, going to join me in just a second here, my co-host for the next hour or so. It's always an hour of power here on the Infectious Scouting Podcast, so we appreciate all the love and support throughout the season. Our second year back to college football season winding down. Conference championships all lined up. NFL draft all-star games. Commitments being announced. Oh, boy, it's been a crazy whirlwind. Hopefully everybody had a fat and happy Thanksgiving. And uh, here we are in December now as we welcome in Russell Landy. His two decades of scouting experience. A guy that I lean on for advice in the scouting world. He is now on the hotline, of course, teaching that sports management worldwide football GM and scouting course. Check them out, sportsmanagementworldwide.com, and welcome him into the show. Russ, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, big timer. What's going on in the world of New Jersey other than Greg Ciano being back? Oh, he's back. It's time, Russ. You know, it was on again, off again, like getting back together with an old girlfriend, but we made it happen. Uh, we celebrated with snow yesterday, just like a, you know, football jersey, December type of weather here. It's exciting times, and, uh, you know, now we will see some relevance uh, inside the Big Ten. We will win some games. Already some of the players who entered the transfer portal are coming back. They're going to uh, fence the state of Rutgers, which is New Jersey, and I'm excited about it. Well, you've got to be excited. I mean, the only people probably not excited are Penn State. I mean, all of a sudden, James Franklin, who's just stealing every kid that New Jersey put out, or at least those that uh, weren't jumping to out-of-state schools, those players are most likely now at least 60-40 staying at Rutgers, and it's going to go up and up once Shiano gets to talk to him. So, I mean, it definitely – Penn State's the only people that have got to be disappointed. The Big Ten has to be thrilled beyond belief. They took Rutgers because they wanted an East Coast uh, vibe in the, in the Big Ten. They wanted to be able to get that New York market. Well, now Shiano's back. Now they start winning again in the next two, three years. You're going to see them become, I think, a top-20 team every year, challenged to be in the top-10 every other – every few years. It's a great move for Rutgers, a great move for the Big Ten, great move for college football. It's a it's a phenomenal situation, I think. I think people at Rutgers got to be really excited after the AD initially screwed this up. It's great to see them get it right. Amen. Amen. And I'll tell you one other thing. Give this man three or four recruiting classes, and he's going to get it turned around. What I didn't like, Chris Ash is not a Jersey guy. Didn't embrace the history, you know, eliminated in all the hallways all the historical uh, uh, Rutgers history and tradition. And he was asked about that at a press conference, and I remember it just not sitting with me well. They said, Chris, why don't you have the alumni back? Chris, why don't you embrace the fact that Rutgers played the first ever college football game right here on this campus? Why don't you embrace the history and tradition? And he said, I don't think today's players really care about that. 
And you uh, know what? I can like, tell you this, Russ. It's crazy. I can tell you this. The, the players are already coming back. The alumni, the McCordy brothers, the Logan Ryans of the world, Muhammad Sanu, Brian Leonard, all these guys, uh, Marco Battaglia, the list goes on and on. They're all coming back, brother. There's no question. How can you say, as a head coach in today's world, that history doesn't matter? I'm not saying the kids, the recruits, are all paying attention to 70 and 80 years ago of history, but I can promise you the guys that that played in the NFL – in terms of guys that made it, that stuff matters. Having a wall that depicts all the players that have come through your program that played at the next level, those things matter. That's what players' dreams are. They want to play at the next level. They want to win championships. So it's huge. And I don't know if I'd go so much to say as you have to have a Jersey guy, quote-unquote, to be win at Rutgers. It's a, it's a hard place to win at, but I think you have to embrace the history, embrace the things that Rutgers has done that have been great because there haven't been a lot. And you have to jump on board and realize that Rutgers is a unique place. It's not easy to recruit to. You're battling some of the behemoths of college football with Penn State and the Big Ten. You've got to go outside the box. You've got to think of different ways, and you have to embrace any success there's been at the program. So I love this Seattle hire. I think it's great for them. I think it's great for college football. I'm so excited to see a school that's now right there, right in New York, that you can be 100% sure they're going to be regular recruits now coming to the NFL from Rutgers, which is a big change from what it's been in recent years. Oh, boy, the people listening across the country, across the globe, are saying, what are you talking about? It all started with a question about Rutgers. We didn't mean to turn it into the Rutgers hour. Uh, although the press conferences today, we're recording here on December 4th, 2019. Uh, Russ, uh, some other news in the college football world. I don't know if you had a chance to see any of the underclassmen now trickling out, but a lot of people uh, making their intentions clear. And uh, one guy that stands out to me, I know we've discussed him in the past, is that Colorado wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault who I think has, you know, pretty much the makeup of a first-round pick. It's just a matter of, you know, how much have the injuries taken a toll. I think he's played through an abdominal injury throughout this year. He was kind of banged up last year. How much of a concern is that? Can he crack the uh, first round? What's your thoughts on LaVista Chenault? Well, firstly, I totally get it. Um, I'm a believer if you're a skill position player, and you're going to go in the first two rounds, you may as well jump because get out there now. Those positions are generally considered replaceable unless you become truly special. So get the the money when you can. This kid, I think, is a tremendous receiver. And I think not only a first-round pick, I really don't think any receiver has gone out and put a stamp on it and said, I am the number one guy in this draft. I think it's up for debate. You have the Alabama kids. You got this kid. There's other kids around the country that are going to be in that battle to be number one. So why not come out? He's legitimately in the discussion and will have a chance to prove himself as the first receiver. Now, the injury question, that's what teams want to see, is when we get to February, is he going to be fully healthy to be able to show himself? If he's fully healthy, clears all the medical checks, and the people at Colorado speak about him in good terms in terms of battling through injury, doing what he could to stay in the lineup – 
those types of things are going to really help this kid. And, yeah, I could see him not only, like I said, being a first-rounder. It wouldn't stun me if we're sitting here on draft day if he ends up being the first receiver taken. You never know when it comes to receivers who's going to end up at the top of the board, especially when, in my eyes, there is not one guy who has, like I said, no one has jumped out and put a stamp on it and said, I am 100% the best receiver. There is no debate. Well, it seems like uh, there's a different Alabama wide receiver staying there each and every week. It's just unbelievable uh, the corpse they got in, in Alabama. But, uh, you know, suddenly across the wide receiver class already getting crowded early, uh, Jalen Rieger from TCU, someone who's expected to test very well and go very high. And then Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State that I had a chance to see out west. Uh, when they played Utah, and, you know, I can tell you this, lots of eyeballs on Isaiah Hodgins during the pregame warm-up. A lot of teams checking him out. So word was out early that he was going to declare. And then at the running back position, staying at the skill positions, another guy you were on early on in the year, uh, the Maryland uh, running back, Anthony McFarland, he was trying to do it all last year, a compact-type runner, with some bursts, he's a good-looking running back. He really is, and I think uh, when you watch him, you see, you look around the NFL and say, okay, is this a guy that's going to get 25 touches and 28 carries? No, probably not, but when you look around the NFL, you see a lot of backs being used in a variety of ways, getting a lot of touches in different ways, catching balls out of backfield, handoffs, screens, dump-offs, splitting out as a receiver, all these different things. And you look at a guy like an Austin Eckler over there in San Diego, and you see a guy that he may not be the most dominant in terms of physical traits, but he's highly productive. And Eckler is going to have a 10-, 12-year career because he's never going to be pushing the envelope to get the 10 or $8 million a year contract. He's going to get that three or four million a year like a Rex Burkhead, like this kid, and just be a contributing back. And that's what I look at Anderson. This guy can contribute in so many ways. He can be a valuable part of an NFL offense. Is he going to be the first premier back in terms of the starting back that gets 20 touches? I don't know. But he's going to play a role in the NFL. He's special when he gets out in space. He's got a unique ability to make guys miss and to break tackles in terms of running through contact. I'm not saying he's going to run through big, physical, powerful guys that have got him wrapped up. But guys that hit him, dive into him, throw an arm out there, he's going to run through that and gain yards after contact. I like this kid. And you know another kid that we talked about earlier in the year, the the kid with the funky name at, at Penn State, Yazur, Gato, Matos, whatever it may be, the defense end who came out early. This is another kid that I think really, to me, made huge strides this year. Flash year's film, you saw flashes, but you didn't see consistency throughout a game. This year, you saw much more consistency in terms of doing his job, maintaining his outside position, using his hands better to get free from blocks. I think he made big strides as a pass rusher. I'm not ready to say this guy is an elite guy that deserves to be in the discussion to be the top defensive end. But I tell you what, if you're a team looking for an athletic pass rusher off the edge that needs some refinement, needs a little work, but has a lot of the tools and has gotten better during his college career, this is an intriguing kid with a lot of potential. I like him a lot. Big loss for Penn State. Another bad thing for Penn State. First, Shiano comes back, then this kid leaves early. At least their tight end decided he's going to stay another year. Yeah, yeah. We got Shiano news, the tight end. Hey, but hey, uh, Eater Gross I agree with you from Penn State. Had a chance to see him uh, in person this year when they played Purdue. And I agree, he just showed more polish, more pass rush repertoire. 
uh, more defined body tone, greater strength, and, you know, kind of like a Harold Landry kind of slept-on prospect where, you know, you're right, he's probably not going to go in the top end of the first half, but he might go the back end or early second. And uh, Landry, I turned my head up the other day. He's got like nine or ten sacks already on the season. So uh, Gross Matos can be a similar type of player at the next level. Uh, and then so tell me something, Rick. I've got to ask you a question because we're, we, I know we're, 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 we seem to be focusing just on records. So you've gone all over the country. You've hit Oregon State. You've gone to Washington. You've gone to schools in the Midwest. You've gone to these schools. You've gone to all the big-time schools. How many of these schools did you go to and you walked through their halls and there was no mention of what the school had done in their history? and no mention of former players. I mean, was that something the big-time programs are doing, just forgetting about their history? Or they say, you know what, we want to promote every guy that's come through our building that's gone to the NFL, and every guy that's been all-conference, and showing the wins over the years. I mean, is that – did you see teams get rid of it? Or do they show it? They show it. That's how you get recruits. Yeah. I mean, it's just no. it's unbelievable that a coach would think, yeah, let's win without showing any of the history of the program. To me, they should have known as soon as that guy started taking that stuff off the wall when he got there, they should have instantly said, okay, we, we made a mistake. Let's just fire him before his first game and let's get some good coach in here because that's just foolish. And I know that he's a well-respected guy in terms of work ethic and, and, and his schemes and he knows what he's doing, but certain things just don't make sense. It's like Come on now, wake up! You know, I I I agree a million percent, Ross. And and no, to your point, when I went to Pittsburgh and they get, and they gave me a tour of their facilities, it then clicked why all these Jersey kids are going to Pittsburgh. I mean, they got waterfalls in the locker room, Ross. I mean, they got uh, first class. Uh, I mean, you 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 would think you walk in the shower, you think you're in the Four Seasons over here. I mean. You know, the facilities are top-notch. So when they try to paint the picture that, oh, he's being greedy, he's demanding all these facilities, he wants uh, a new indoor facility. I mean, they got a freaking practice bubble, Russ. A practice bubble. Yep. You know how it's... Unfortunately, you can't win. Yeah, exactly. This This isn't 1970 anymore. You don't win just because you're Michigan or whatever and get the recruits and everybody else has to just take the scraps. Everybody is in the mix now. It comes down to facilities, how you not only how good they are, but how do you lay them out? Do you lay out and show your history? Are you proud of the school? Are you proud of the conference? Do you get your alumni coming back, being part of the program? I know Iowa, they, they're not obviously ever going to be in that top 10 or top 15 in terms of, NFL guys are never going to have six or seven first-round picks in a year or anything like that. But they have all their former players. Every week there's two or three guys coming back, flipping the coin, speaking to the team, being a part of the program. They embrace that great history that Hayden Fry started and then Coach Ferentz has sort of built on over the years. You have to do that, especially a program like Rutgers, which I think is similar to Iowa in that they may never be able to achieve consistent top 10 because of the history and because of the school. But they can be a top 20 program every single year like Iowa if they do things the right way and embrace that great history the school has. Well, and the last point I'll make is that, you know, you go to Minnesota, you go to Illinois, they got state-of-the-art facilities. Right? These aren't big-time Big Ten programs. Yep. Now, you see with Fleck, P.J. Fleck, which, you know, there's a mistake. Rutgers should have never let that man walk out the door who was an assistant under Ciano. Uh I mean, they should have kept him in the building. But you saw what he's done already at Minnesota in just a year or two with the recruits and the facilities. And listen, you know, 
four million dollars a year. I got news for you. Here's my final point, Russ. Uh, some some of these Seattle uh, haters, like Chris Christie, and uh, some of these other haters out there, they're painting Seattle uh, to be greedy. Guess guess where four million a year puts him in, in terms of the Big Ten? Ten. The ten. Oh, it's, it's definitely in the bottom half. <laughs> So, exactly. He took less money to pay more to get good assistance. There's a smart man who knows how to build a program. Yeah, I mean, greedy or not, trust me, Rutgers, if they start winning and they're in the top 20 every year and they're getting eight, nine, ten wins every single year, they're not going to care about $4 million a year because they're going to be rolling in money coming in from ticket sales, from merchandise, from alumni donations. They're going to move up in terms of students that apply to the school. So there's so many benefits to this. Now, yeah, obviously, to you and I and normal people, $4 million sounds like an outrageous sum of money. But unfortunately, whatever you want to say, that's the world of college football, and that is not a huge sum of money. Chris Christie can complain all he wants about greed and so can a lot of people, but you know what? If this guy wins, Rutgers is going to be thrilled to death to hand him that check every year. They don't care. They want to win because they realize the importance and value it places on bringing in money to the university, not just for football, but for the entire university. It is enormously important to have that winning team on the football field. And I will say this, when they had seven consecutive first-round picks, those pictures will be on the hallway. And those alumni will be back. And I can't wait to go to Rutgers Pro Day because they're all going to be there, every single one of them. Yep. And, you know, I'm pumped up about it. But, you know, here at the end of the day, uh, there's a new direction in Piscataway. Normalcy is coming back. And I will say the booster page, when I woke up the morning that Tiano was hired, I checked out the uh, fundraising page for the football, and, and it was at $15,000, okay? That was that was less than 72 hours ago, Russ. I checked before we came on the air. It was approaching $400,000 in donations in 72 yeah, hours. It, 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 it's going to be a great decision for them. It's it's there literally is no negative to this. It, it, whether you love this guy or hate him as a person, as a coach, and what he's going to do for Rutgers, there's no doubt this is a home run move for them. And you know, and, and people want to criticize. Well, he was a failed coach at the NFL, and oh, uh, he didn't last uh, more than two weeks in, in in New England. I got news for you. He's been around Bill Belichick a long time, and guess what? He learned a thing or two being around Urban Meyer for his couple years in Ohio State, and he will learn from the mistakes that he made at Tampa Bay. So you know what? Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Russ. But, um, it, it's going to take. Well, I mean, how did Nick Saban do with the Dolphins? Right? I mean, Nick Saban didn't do great at the Dolphins, but I think he's done okay at Alabama. So it's like, let's remember, this guy won there before. He's going to win there again. At least I believe he will. If he, I don't think Rutgers could have gotten a better coach right now. Now, does it mean he's going to win 100% down the road? No, you can never predict that. But in terms of estimates and percentages of whether he's going to win, I don't think you could have put a better man in that spot unless you could have gotten Bill Belichick or Nick Saban to come to New Jersey, and that wasn't happening. Chop, chop, chop nation is back. It's Rick, it's Russ, it's Infectious, Statum Podcast, hot top, chop, Russ. Should we call it the Rutgers Podcast or the Infectious Statum Podcast? (laughs) 
Well, listen, let's reset for everybody. It is the Infectious Scouting Podcast. We do cover uh, other teams outside of Rutgers. Hey, let me enjoy my moment in the sun for one day here. Oh, it's a great day in Rutgers. Moment in the uh, sun? You live in the sun. <laughs> hey, well, listen. You know, it's been crazy here at the NFLPA Collegiate Ball, which I'm a part of, and we've been rolling out our all-star game invitations. I think I did the the count uh, last night. I think East West Ryan game is up to about 100 uh, commitments. The, the Senior Bowl has about 80 or 90 commitments. So we're seeing close to full all-star uh, roster taping up in early December, which I think is about the earliest we've ever seen it at this stage of the game. But uh, any all-star game invites catch your attention? Anything that you saw come down the wire this week that you want to discuss, Russ? You know, there are a few guys, a few from the senior and a few from the NFLPA Bowl. So I'll start with senior just because, obviously, it's a senior bowl. But you talked about him a few times, the, the kid from Liberty, Antonio Gaty-Golden. I have not really looked closely at this kid. I'm really excited to see how this kid does when he's in with the big boys. I mean, when you're at Liberty, a player with his talent, you're a man amongst boys. No one on that field <clears throat> is legitimately challenging you in any way in terms of physical talent. To see him at the senior bowl where he's going to get challenged, can't wait to see it. Um, also, can't wait to see John Greenland um, or Green Greenard, whatever, however it's pronounced from Florida. This kid, when you watch Florida, this is a kid that legitimately is a freak talent. Um, I'm very excited to see how he does down there. I think this is a kid that could all of a sudden put himself in the discussion to be a top 10 or 15 pick as long as he's healthy, goes down there and really practices the way that everybody expects him to. Um, and the other kid we've talked about, you mentioned him a few times, I think you've done more work on him prior to the season, is the Zach Moss, the kid from Utah. Excited to look at this kid. I know that everybody wants to talk about the age of the running back being first-round picks. is is over. But this is a kid I want to take a peek at because it may not be sort of in – to take running backs in the first round. But I tell you what, this kid, when you watch him play, at least the games I've seen at Utah, and that's why I want to see him at the senior bowl, is there's something about this kid that makes me think this kid could be a valuable guy, even if he's a second or third rounder, a valuable guy that carries the load, catches the ball out of the backfield, and really makes an impact as that sort of feature back for a team. Can't wait to look at him. Now, we'll say three guys that, that you guys got at the NFL PA Bowl, which – Well, hold on. Before say, we move I'm on, so, before we go there, yeah, yeah. let me just comment on Moss because – that Utah team, I mean, they got actually six players in the senior bowl, and now I believe they're going to beat Oregon Friday night. I think they might win big. And if they do, what you know, depending on what happens with Baylor and Oklahoma could factor into the equation. But let's assume LSU beats Georgia. I don't see how you don't put Utah in the college football playoffs, and I think Zach Moss can – maybe carry that team to the national championship. That team is that good. They are. They're really good. You make a great point. I think they have a legit chance to be in the playoffs. I think if you would ask either one of us a month ago whether things were going to break their way, they put them in this position, I think we probably would have both said, yeah, unlikely, possible, but unlikely. But now it looks like things are lining up, that they have a real good shot, and you aren't kidding. I mean, they're loaded with talent. Um, I'm so excited to see him down the Senior Bowl. But I think, yeah, I think and, – and the interesting thing is how many of these guys, if they go to the playoff and they do really well, I'll bet you some of these guys may say, you know what, I'm not even going to go to these bowl games 
And the reason is that they'll have just literally finished playing games in back-to-back weeks um, that have been in front of national stages with tons of scouts there um, watching them, some of them coming to the practices um, in addition to the games. So there's a chance that this could be great for the players in terms of national exposure and for the colleges, but actually hurt some of these all-star games because some of these guys may say, I'm a little too worn down. I'm not getting that month off like a lot of players are before the Senior Bowl or before the East-West game to sort of get my, my body back to full speed. I'm getting a week or two, and that's not enough for me. I'm going to have to skip my all-star game. So it, it could be a double-edged sword. No, we see it every year. We see players back out due to uh, you know, being in that national championship game. Your body's just so beat up and bruised. It just doesn't make sense. This year, January 13th is the national championship. The senior bowl, I mean, they would they would essentially have to report, I believe, like January 20th. So, I mean, uh, a week later, I, I don't know. That's uh, that's going to be interesting to see. I will say one last point about Utah. That Tyler Huntley, man, wow. Uh, the way he's progressed this season, he's actually developed into one of the better senior quarterback prospects, in my opinion. I mean, he's a, you know, they don't toss it around the field a lot, but when they do, I mean, he's been pretty damn accurate. Yep, I agree with you, and that's why I think a lot of people are excited to see him. I mean, here's a chance to see him against the best competition, practicing every day. I mean, yeah, he's definitely shown himself to be better than I think a lot of people anticipated. And this senior quarterback class, I mean, it, it remains to be seen how good it is. Yes, exactly. And, you know, Mason Fine uh, was a guy that is now in the East-West Shrine game. He had originally committed to the NFLPA, but I think he's an intriguing guy. Um, the Princeton quarterback also received an East-West Shrine yep. game. Right? Davidson, he'll be an uh, interesting guy to keep an eye on. And, you know, I'm still sticking to my Jersey theme here today. That Monmouth kid, Kenji Bahar, uh, you know, that yep. team is making noise in the FCS playoffs. They had a big, big win last week. Uh, they face. They go down to James Madison. Ross, you want a good game to watch on Saturday? Oh, Thomas, I'm excited. My that's going to be a good good matchup to watch. Um, so okay, well, right. you know what? You bring up James Madison, so we got to talk about your guys at the NFL PA Bowl. So yeah. one of the three guys I was so excited to talk about is a guy from James Madison. And that's Ron Bell Carter, defensive end. There you go. I mean, you are like a soothsayer. I mean, I tell you what, you ought to go by. I'm surprised you don't live in a mansion. You should be winning the lottery all the time because you're a psychic. I mean, come on now. I mean, when and, I, and nobody's going to sit, sit here and say, I've watched every James Madison game, and I can tell you Rondell Carter. But I can tell you what, I've seen the clips of this kid, and the clips yeah. at that level, he's a dominant player. So that's why, A, this is a good game to see him at this weekend. You mentioned it against Monmouth. But, B, getting the chance to see this kid at the NFL PA game where he's going to be going against guys that are going to be playing and starting in the NFL. This is a great opportunity to see a kid at perhaps other than quarterback, the most important position on the field, which is how do you get to the quarterback, the pass rusher? Well, this kid's got a little bit of natural feel, natural instinct. He can bend. He can get there. I like this kid. I've seen, like I said, I've seen Flashy. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I've graded 10 games, and I think he's a second-round pick or whatever it may be, but I've seen clips of and there's something intriguing with this kid. Can't wait to see him at the NFL PA game. There's something about this kid that tells me, don't be shocked if he goes out to the NFL PA game, plays really well, and may get an invite after that right to the senior bowl, be one of those guys that gets plucked out um, of the NFL PA game and gets invited down to Mobile. 
And also, I think it's going to get him in position to really show that he's a guy that has to be in the discussion with that sort of second, third tier of defensive ends. He's not going to obviously jump into that first group when you're talking about Chase Young and Epinesa and those guys. But I think when you get down into those guys in that third to fifth, fifth or sixth round, this is a guy that I think he could put a stamp on it and say, hey, I deserve to be in that discussion. And it wouldn't shock me to see that happen. Well, he, he, you know, he's a standing up there, 43 defensive end, and he's, he's, listen, it all comes back to Jersey, right? He came, he transferred over from Rutgers, okay? So he he was a big-time recruit, uh, left Rutgers, goes to James Madison. Uh, the rest is history. He's been a terror, uh, wreaking havoc in backfields, chasing down quarterbacks, and, um, you know, I think I just want to see him do a better job finishing because, I mean, he's got – uh, a bunch of, I think he's got 25 career sacks, but he probably uh, let about another 10 or so slip right through his arms, Ross. I mean, if he was able to just finish, I think that's the one area of the game. Otherwise, I mean, this is a good-looking player. I'm excited about having him in Pasadena, and I think it's also, you know, as you know, when you come from the FCS level, the NFL scouting combine is far from a guarantee. I think this helps seal the deal for his invitation to A hundred percent. No question. This kid, he goes out there as a big week. You can pencil him in for the combine. I'll give you two other guys at the NFL PA game that I'm just excited to see. One, and I give you guys a lot of credit because this kid, I guess, also accepted senior bowl, which I didn't know, but as the Sullivan, the tight end from down at LSU. This is a kid, when I watch LSU, I'm talk- I always wonder, why aren't they talking about this kid more? I mean, he's so versatile. He can line up as a receiver. He can line up as a, as a wing tight end. He can line up in line. He can do everything you want. He's got natural hands when I watch him play. I like this kid a lot. I think that's a coup. That's a great job by you guys getting this kid in there. And the other kid, and some of my bias being in the CFL for six years, but the kid can, can tell us from uh, Laval. I mean, Laval mm-hmm. is a powerhouse school in Canada. Um, they, they produce linemen year after year who end up becoming stars in the CFL, and a lot of them get opportunities in the NFL. Um, this is a kid that's got some upside. He's got some potential. And the other great thing I think that this does for the NFL PA game, and along with all the other prospects, even though all prospects, I understand they're all right now saying, yep, NFL or bust. I want to be a great NFL player, and I understand that. But you know what? Only a small number of players that go to the Senior Bowl, the NFLPA game, and the East-West Shrine game two years from now are going to be playing professional football in the NFL. And because this kid from Laval is going to be at the NFLPA game, there should most likely be a scout from every CFL team at that game. Specifically, they're looking at him, but they're looking at everybody. And this gives kids a chance that maybe three years from now they're out of the NFL and they really want to keep playing football. Well, those players that went to the NFLPA Bowl this year will have been seen by CFL scouts and will have a better chance of getting an opportunity to continue playing football in Canada because they've been seen while they're at the NFLPA game. So not only am I excited to see him at the game, I think it's a great move by you guys because it's going to get scouts from those CFL teams there. It's going to give all these kids that are going there better exposure to have a career in professional football if it doesn't turn out that they aren't able to make it in the NFL. You know, and I was curious to get your opinion on it because we really we leaned on our uh, CFL connections really to find the best Canadian prospect that we could bring down to Pasadena. So um, I think that's what it's all about, giving that platform, providing that opportunity. And, you know, it's really a, a, one-time, a one-time deal because you won't get that opportunity, quite frankly, to, to see him 
in the trenches, one-on-one with uh, some of the best of the best against going against guys like Rondell Carter, you know? Hey. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's just, you and I were at the East-West Shrine game when Tardif, Laurent Duvernay Tardif came down. And, I mean, he yeah. looked really from day one. He was the best lineman there. And that cemented him as a draft pick. It didn't guarantee he was going to be a first-round pick, but it cemented that he was going to get an opportunity in the NFL. When prior to that, I think a lot of NFL people were saying, yeah, he's probably a free agent. He's from McGill. He's, he, we don't know how good he is. He hasn't gone against anybody that's ever going to play football. All the guys he's gone against are going to go become engineering engineers and, and accountants and finance people. And he came down to the East-West and he dominated. So this is a week where – this kid could come down, and it doesn't have to have an unbelievable week. He just has to show, hey, I belong. I have the athleticism, size, and strength to be on the same level as all these other O-line prospects. Then all of a sudden, you take his film and you say, you know what, this guy is a draftable player. So he needs to go out and just prove he belongs athletically. And as long as he does that, he's going to be in the discussion to be drafted. Yeah, you know, and and I could imagine how excited he is about it. I mean, I know how excited I am. I can only imagine what it means to him. And I will say, <laughs> hey, if if you're talented, Russ, we're gonna find you. And uh, you know, we've got uh, a couple of play. We got two players from D two, the the Washburn offensive lineman, which is uh, he he's creating a little bit of a buzz for himself now. And um, we've got a player from the NAIA, and uh, we might be adding another international player. Uh, we're waiting to hear back. I can't announce it just yet. I'll give a little hint, and then we'll move on to our next se- segment. But I'll, I'll end this segment with these two words as a little bit of a hint. Uh, and maybe some of you uh, really, really in-depth uh, draft nicks out there might want to talk about it. Do hats off to you because you really know your stuff. But here's the hint: South Africa. Look at Rick throwing it out there. <laughs> hey, Russ, we got to leave him with a cliffhanger. Come back next week. We'll talk about it. Uh, but before um, we wrap up things here, we do want to look ahead. At the weekend of conference championships, we've got all kinds of big-time matchups and big-time players looking for <clears> big-time things. Uh, this is one of the uh, most enjoyable, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the NFL, that conf- you know, cha- conference championship weekend where you get two championship games on Saturday and two championship games on Sunday. To me, I like watching these, uh, these uh, uh, Power Five conference championships on Saturday, Russ, because as you mentioned earlier, uh, the bowl games, a lot of top players do bow out of those games. You're hearing now uh, what could really be interesting is if Alabama was, is not going to make the college football playoffs, they're saying, like, their underclassmen might, might just sit out that bowl game. I mean, you could have, like, a dozen guys from Alabama not even play in that bowl game, and that's going to be interesting. I know they drew some criticism from Kirk Herstreet. It actually was a controversial topic, but let's ask Russ Landy about it. I mean, what do you, what's your thoughts there, Russ? I mean, Alabama, the underclassmen just saying, hey, you know what, college football playoffs, uh, these, these other bowl games, they don't mean nothing to us. We're just going to skip that and get ready for the pros. Your thoughts? You know, I mean, let's remember, 
no one, none of the administrators at Alabama are telling these kids, hey, this, you don't want to play in this game. None of them are saying that. The administrators all want these kids to play. I think the issue you run into is, and I, and I think it's legitimate, is that <clears throat> just as we talk about Greg Schiano, Nick Saban's making seven, eight, ten million bucks a year. The assistants are making anywhere from two or three million down to three or four hundred thousand. Um, as far as I know, they haven't started paying the kids at Alabama yet, and their best hope to make money comparable to Nick Saban and to provide for their family in the long term and get generational wealth is to play in the NFL. And I promise you, and we we may have even I may have even said this before, but I'm pretty sure that Jalen Smith, who's turned out to be a, an outstanding pro after suffering a catastrophic knee injury in his bowl game for Notre Dame, um, that caused him to fall to the second round. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame didn't say, you know what, now that Jalen Smith has signed a big-time contract and proven he was a great player in the NFL, that he should have been a top-five pick, but he got hurt in our bowl game. Let's figure out how much money he lost from not being a top-five pick. Let's give him a check for that. I'm pretty sure Notre Dame didn't do that. So if Notre Dame isn't going to look out for the kid, and therefore no one in college football is going to be paying their guys for lost money if they get hurt in one of these all-star games, a player has to be, in my opinion, crazy to put their financial and family's future financial stake and, and success and livelihood on the line to play in one all-star game. I mean, yeah, I would love it if every kid played every game. It would be great. You'd love to say that. But let's remember that none of these colleges are going to reimburse a kid who suffers an injury that causes him to fall in the draft and lose his money. The only money you're guaranteed in the NFL when you get drafted is that money you get when you first sign your contract. You could get cut. You could be gone in a year or two or three. So, where you get drafted matters, and the schools, like I said, they're not going to reimburse for where you should have gone. So I understand these kids not wanting to play in the All-Star game. I know the school does not like it, and I know they're trying to convince the kids to play, but I totally get it, and I have no issue with the kids skipping an All-Star game to say, you know what, i got to keep my body healthy. i got to get to the combine. i got to prove myself because I want to be a first or a second-round pick. Pay attention, people. It's Russell Landy. Tell them like it is. When it comes to the NFL draft here on the Infectious Scottish Podcast, along with Rick Saratella, we're going to peek ahead at these conference championships. And, uh, you know, we've got Utah, Oregon isolated on Friday night in the Pac-12 championship. Baylor at Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. you got, of course, Georgia LSU in the SEC championship. Clemson hosting Virginia in the ACC championship. Ohio State at Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Hey, let's not forget about the rematch of last week, Cincinnati at Memphis in the American Athletic Conference Championship. Some really good football games here, Russ. Where are you going to be focused the most? Well, you know, I hate to be the guy that says I'm what the big three, but you know what? I'm in Utah, Oregon. I can't wait to see this game. And we just talked about how much talent Utah has. I honestly think talent-wise, I think they're way ahead of Oregon. Um, and I, I think that's part of the reason I'm excited to see this game because this is an opportunity for Hebert, the quarterback at Oregon, who a lot of people are saying is a top-ten pick. I don't really agree with that from what I've seen so far. But this is an opportunity for him to prove, hey, I can put the team on my shoulder. I can take a team that probably has less talent against an elite team 
and I can carry them. I can do the things I have to do. I mean, I also want to see, like, Oregon, they have Lemieux is a guard, and Throckmorton is a tackle. These are guys that are getting NFL looks. I was not blown away by either one of them when I watched the Oregon film. I want to see, how do they do against Utah? Not only does Utah have talent, but they move guys around. They do some things on defense that makes it tough sometimes for offensive linemen to really play at their best. This, to me, is a great challenge for those linemen and for a bear to prove he's a legit top quarterback. Um, I also want to take a look at Baylor, Oklahoma. We talked about this when they played the first time. I loved watching Brewer and Hurts, <clears throat> even though they're very different quarterbacks. They're also very different than traditional NFL quarterbacks. So they're, they're, I can't wait to see how they play Brewer. I don't think there's any chance he's going to come out early this year. I mean, this kid looks like he's about 180 pounds soaking wet. I think he's going to stay in school another year, try to gain some weight, improve his play. Hurts, to me, is one of the more – um, sort of guys that really uh, people's opinions are split. Some people believe this is Lamar Jackson number two, and he's going to be a first-round pick. Other scouts I've spoken to say he doesn't have near the skill set that Lamar does, and, and Lamar still struggles when you watch him with throwing the ball accurately, consistently. Even in that big win against San Francisco, he, he had some plays where the receivers had to either make spectacular catches or they didn't even make the catch to the ball was so off target. Well, I don't think Hurts is at Lamar Jackson's level from what I've heard from different scouts that have gone in there and watched him. So there's a big split as to whether Hurts is an elite guy or if he's just a great athlete who happens to be playing quarterback who has great intangibles, but really isn't an NFL guy. So I want to see that. I want to see the Gallimore kid, the Canadian defensive tackle for Oklahoma. And we talked last time, I mentioned number 99, the defensive tackle at Baylor. There's also the other defensive tackle whose name slips my mind right now, but they have those two studs on defense at defensive tackle for Baylor. I can't wait to see how they do against Oklahoma. It's going to be a great game. I can't, I'm excited for that. And then you mentioned Georgia LSU. I mean, to me, this is sort of the great matchup. You have those two quarterbacks that everybody's talking about, Jake Fromm, Joe Burrow. I mean, these, to me, are two quarterbacks that are similar in that a lot of their success is above the neck. Um, I think mostly Fromm. I mean, when you look at him, physically, he's not an intimidating guy, but he's got a good arm, and he's phenomenal, it seems, at figuring out what's going on in front of him, making a quick decision. Burrow's a guy that the improvement this year is stunning. He's played so much better. I can't wait to see this matchup. Also, take a look at Andrew Thomas, the left tackle for Georgia. This is a kid that doesn't get much national recognition. When you hear people talking about tackles, for some reason his name seems to be forgotten. Very talented kid, great feet, a lot of potential to be a very productive NFL tackle. I'm very excited to take a look at him in this game, going against some of these better pass rushers that LSU has. I think that's going to be a heck of a game. I can't wait to watch it. I covered a lot of ground there. It's going to be exciting. And then the two games we didn't talk about are kind of, uh, you know, the way Vegas sees it anyway. They, they believe it'll be blowout games, and that's uh, Clemson at uh, or Virginia at Clemson. Clemson favored by over four touchdowns. That's incredible. And then Ohio Ooh, State. Bad. Yeah, and, and then Ohio State uh, favored by uh, 17 points over Wisconsin. Russ. Uh, you know, these are the two teams that I think are so hot to trot right now that nobody's going to want to play them. So that'll be interesting to watch. And then, of course, you got Hawaii back in the Mountain West Championship. Uh, shout out to head coach Nick Rolovich over there. And, uh, you know, the Flying Hawaiians, the Rainbow Warriors, I always enjoy watching me some two-in-the-morning football. And uh, they got a couple of quarterbacks here. They've been using rotation with this Cole McDonald and – uh, they got a true freshman. They've been going back and forth, but they got some 
uh, speedy wideouts at Hawaii, Cedric Bird, JoJo uh, White, I believe, uh, the high-flying Hawaiians, I call them, but they're the Rainbow Warriors. They're back in the Mountain West Championship game. They'll be at Boise State, which is a very well-coached team. Uh, they're 11-1 and for a reason, maybe not getting the respect they deserve in the rankings. So uh, lots of action this weekend coming up. Of course, lots of action at the Infection Scouting Podcast each and every week. So make sure you subscribe it and share it and tell your friends about it. Uh, we're the Rodney Dangerfield of the podcast out here, and uh, we want you to you're gonna just spread the word. You heard? Hey, Russ, what else is going on in your neck of the woods? I know you got the Sports Management Worldwide class cranking the football GM and scouting course. How can people find more information out about that? You know, the best thing they can do, go to sportsmanagementworldwide.com. It tells you a little bit about the course we have. And really the course is just sort of an intro to what it takes to work in professional football. What are are the things you need to develop in terms to have the minimum skill level to be able to get a start in football? And I'm not talking get a start in football, starting in the NFL. I'm talking high school, college, NAIA, indoor professional league, Canadian league, wherever it is to get your foot in the door and then start climbing the ladder to hopefully – end up at the NFL if that's where you choose to be once you get in. But really, we just teach about how is the organization structured, how can you separate yourself from these thousands of other people trying to get a foot in the door into working football, and, and really, what are the basics to scouting? We're not going to try to sell you on, hey, in eight weeks, I'm going to turn you in from a person who watches football on Sundays to being Bill Belichick in terms of evaluating players, but I can tell you what you'll learn after eight weeks are here are the basic things, 10 or 12 things at each position that you need to look for in order to learn the basics and start being able to evaluate film. So it's really an intro to what it takes to work in football course. I've been doing it for over 10 years. We now have people working in the NFL, the CFL, college football, in the media, places like Pro Football Focus. We have people working all over that have taken the course. Um, it's a great opportunity, um, and the fun thing about it is you really develop friendships and relationships with other people in the course that often lead down the road to job opportunities. So something I've been doing a long time, and also you mentioned what's going on. Well, this is a crazy, hectic time in the CFL. Uh, teams are hiring and firing. Uh, the Alouettes are looking for a new GM. Uh, Toronto, they, they, they just put in a new GM in Michael Pinball Clemens. There are new coaches being hired and fired in the CFL. December and January, the two months up there where all the craziness goes on, um, and it's exciting to see what's going to happen with the teams up there in the CFL. I'm looking forward to seeing what the changes are and where the opportunities may be. And, you know, the XFL training camps kick off tomorrow. I'm going to try to get over to the New York Guardians, I believe they're called, and uh, check them out, see what they got going on with Coach Kevin Gilbride, some notable players that I saw on the roster. Just uh, maybe might go kick the tires. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible. And, you know, Russ makes a good point about the uh, sportsmanagementworldwide.com football GM and scouting course. You know, I met a handful of guys on the all-star circuit graduated your course, Russ. So uh, anyone who is currently enrolled, plans to take Russell's course, graduates, and gets that uh, certification from his course, hey, feel free to come say hello. We're always looking for some good help over at the NFL Draft Bible. I met a bunch of people 
on the all-star circuit from the uh, SMWW family. And I know if you graduate from Russell's course, then you have an education, a foundation, and a baseline to work with and grow in this industry. So I'd be happy to meet you. Come say hello. I'll be at the NFL PA Bowl. Unfortunately, uh, my obligation this year will keep me in Pasadena the entire week. Our, uh, our, our Joe Everett will be boots on the ground at the East-West Pride game. And then we'll all link up and have a party in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. But, hey, if you're in town, feel free to come say hello. Uh, Russ, we'll come back and do it again. If you didn't check out NFLDraftBible.com, we've got a slew of new services. we got NFL Draft Consulting Services for players, for agencies. Uh, we've got the NFL Draft Bible Scout Plus Package if you want a scouting portfolio with a scouting report. Uh, and, and, you know, getting in front of uh, pro teams, whether it be the NFL, XFL, CFL, we've got connections over there. And, of course, if you haven't become a disciple of the NFLDraftBible.com yet, what are you waiting for? Go subscribe, all access. It's the best deal. You'll get access instantly to our updated player rankings, all-star game invites, in-season scouting reports, and, of course, the big bad mamma jamma of them all, the NFL Draft Bible publication. We will send it out on April 1st this year. It's going to be huge. When I tell you, I mean, we're already working on that. Um, we've got some new people that we just brought on board. We're excited about that. Shout out to Ryan Roberts and Vinny Grasso. They'll be joining the NFL Draft Bible familiar for the draft run. And, you know, there's a lot of good things going on. Of course, you'll get all the all-star game recap and analysis. Of course, we'll be on location for the big three. And, uh, hey, Russ, it's been uh, another hour of power. Time always flies by, my favorite time of the week. Topping it up, football with you, my man. Uh, hey, I guess we'll come back to it again. Any any parting shots for the people out there? No, not really. Just for me, hey, go Rutgers. Honestly, this was the Rutgers podcast, so uh, enjoy that and get ready for Shiano's <laughs> press conference. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to tune in right after this. And, uh, you know, we appreciate all your patience out there with my uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knight uh, riding in on the horse over here. But I promise you, uh, you know, we'll come back next week, recap all of the uh, conference championship action, take a look ahead at some of the bowl game matchups. We'll probably have a very, very crystal clear picture of all the All-Star games. But if you haven't been paying attention, follow the at NFL PA Bowl. All the invites are coming out. By Friday, you'll know all the players in the game. It's been fun to release it, and it's been fun to see the excitement surrounding those player announcements. So, hey, uh, we can't stop. We won't stop. Till next time, everybody. Once it gets into your stream, there's no vaccine. You've got the sickness, too. Thanks for listening to the Infectious Scouting Podcast.